Comics in the combat zone. Comics in the combat zone. Usually we make you laugh, but now we're watching guys get stabbed with light tubes. Hey there, everybody, and welcome back to the Comics in the Combat Zone. This week, talking about CZW Delaware Invasion, which happened January 20th, 2001, in North Smyrna Elementary School. Did you know that this happened in an elementary school? No, no, it's, uh, that's, I didn't really, I mean, it looked like a weird building. (laughs) Like, it looked very, it looked like a David Lynch built, like, it just looked very tall and very endless. I love, they blamed the shitty show last, uh, on, or it was November, actually. On the New Jersey rules, which is why they had to flee the city. And it's almost like to prove their point, we're going to do this show in an elementary school. Yeah, they've got just going full degenerate. Yeah. Uh, they're just going balls to the wall with it. I mean, it's probably going to be the least violent event to happen in an elementary school in America. <laughs> yeah. So, But to be fair, like I was expecting like someone to come out like lit on fire or like, I don't know, just glass in the first match or something. Like They really made it seem like... The reason last show was so short and shitty is because of these sanctions, so we're going to break all the sanctions. Yeah, they were just going to actually, like, set a dude on fire on a cross. They were going <laughs> to do that, the, the Pastor Joe or whatever he's called thing. And, and instead, it was, like, outside of a barbed wire table. It was all the same weapons we saw last show. I mean, it was a much better show, I will say. Yeah, yeah. D- uh, much better as relative, but... Yeah, I thought, like, the video looked a lot better. I think the video and audio were maybe the cleanest it's ever been. Mm-hmm. Even um, though we didn't have commentary. Yeah, no commentary, but, I mean, you know, asking for the world at this point. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, so, yeah, we begin the show with a CZW hype package on a Titantron. Or it wasn't really a Titantron, but like a projector against a big wall, which I guess is cool. And, uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. Like, you can tell they they love things that they see on the regular show but they can't afford them so like they'll have a commentary table but they don't know how to get the audio yeah they want a titan tron but they can't afford the actual structure so they'll just project it onto a wall yeah like rick blade's big hat like <laughs> on the wall yeah uh and it's ri- weird because like i know it's in an elementary school but it looks like an old school diner with like the checkered floor and like it doesn't look like where you'd run a show at all like there's a bar near one of the sides yeah the last place i would run a wrestling show is in an elementary school <laughs> so that's for sure uh and so yeah we the first guy out on this brand new version of CZW the first show of 2001 the bar the bar cam and he comes yeah there's the bar cam and we get name plates as well and funky lettering yeah i know like uh, there was like a there's a whole last like copyright logo on there at the start as well <laughs> like they you know once they get the commentary they're set yeah and so the uh, the announcer seems way more hyped than usual and he the first man introduced on this brand new show is outside of the bar is ron the enforcer hartog who will be the referee on our first match and i'm like oh what's the first match gonna be i'm very excited and then cue pastor jim natasha pastor and john fucking Dahmer. <laughs> Oh, man. That That's the way to open a brand new show in elementary school. The, w- the wind was taken right out of my sails, like, immediately. Yeah. How far away is Delaware from New Jersey? Like, uh, is it? I don't know. Is it really far? I should have looked into that. Yeah. I assume driving distance, considering how little money this company must have. Yeah. I mean, y- I mean, they send it all on... S- Zandig going to Japan, he just keeps raiding the funds. But I, li- I literally imagine Zandig renting a U-Haul and getting like everyone just to jump into the back. Oh yeah, yeah, hundred like, percent. Yeah, <laughs> he's got a Cadillac though at the front, like he's in his own. Yes, ex- of course. Oh, it's only it's about two hours. Okay, oh, okay, yeah. So I can see why some of the, I just didn't think Ron 
heart attack would be like, anyway, I can't leave my yeah, kids he, alone for that he's long. He's not getting flown out. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I mean, yeah. Or he's dr- or it'd be very funny if he's like, yeah, I've driven 16 hours straight. <laughs> so, yeah, immediately Pastor Jim comes out and insults the bar, and the fans start chanting, fuck the bar. So I'm like, I don't, I don't even know who we're meant to be, like, on the side of here. They hate lawyers. They hate lawyers. They hate the bar, and the bar lookalike is also there at ringside from the last show. Yeah, it is weird that he's got, like, a little... A little minion like a doppelganger yeah doppel yeah very very strange and the doppelganger is like i'm the future the doppel bank bar no, no <laughs> don't work don't work forget it i thought it was i thought there was something yeah there. i thought there's something now i'll think of it at like 3 a.m tonight mm. but like i think he looks at the camera he's like i'm the future of sitting like, i don't even know who you are like <laughs> what are you talking about yeah, so Pastor Jim then starts cutting a promo on Jeff Rocker, who, if you remember, is the guy that beat Jeff uh, Rocker. <laughs> beat uh, John Dahmer on the last show. And, uh, yeah, I was just like, oh, wow, right, we're going to continue this feud of Jeff Rocker versus John Dahmer. That's what that's what the show needs, needs right now. Uh, and if you remember, the only notable thing about Jeff Rocker on the last show was his mustache, and he kept getting compared to Magnum P.I., Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So on this show, for some reason, he shows up without the mustache. Yeah, I, I still hear someone mention Magnum PI as well, so he's never escaping those accusations. Yeah, and he looks weird. He does look like weirdly baby faced. Like I don't know, the mustache sort of hid the weird face. I think. Uh, and yeah, it's funny. Jim attempts to insult uh, insult the guy, and he literally stumbles over his words. And it's the first time I've ever heard a "you fucked up" chant to uh, someone stumbling over words. Deserved. They're very deserved. And then out next, I'm like, out next, we're doing a triple threat, is Ruckus, which to me, a very surprise debut. So I actually wrote a side profile that we always do when someone notable debuts in CZW. Uh, so he's primarily known for his CZW work only. In fact, I'd be, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of like hardcore wrestling fans listening to this is like, who's Ruckus? Yeah. But uh, he's mostly known for CZW, but also worked for Ring of Honor and Jersey All-Pro, most known for the Blackout Stable, which would also feature Eddie Kingston. Which makes me excited because I think that means we're gonna get Eddie Kingston in CZW down the line. Oh, yeah, I think uh, definitely. I might. I mean, he seems like the type that would have been even if just for a match. Yeah, definitely. Show it once or twice, and then he would shit all over CZW and leave, never to be seen again. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he's a journeyman wrestler with a solid reputation. Even appeared in the Backyard Wrestling Two video game, which uh, immortalizes a guy more. Yeah, than the, this podcast's favorite video game. <laughs> And then, actually, Jeff Rocker comes out third. Like, Ruckus came out before him, even though Jim was calling him. It didn't make sense at all. Uh, and he has a new valet, which is just some woman that doesn't get a name. And, and I have written here, Jeff Rocker with real Lance Storm vibes. He looks extremely generic. Yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, so we get John Dahmer versus Ruckus versus Jeff Rocker. Uh, and right away, they start doing a three-way pinfall attempt where one guy schoolboys a guy, and then another guy comes and backslides him out of the schoolboy, and... Finally, Ruckus hits Dahmer with a standing blockbuster, which just gets his big pop. I love when these fans have see- seen a new move that's brand new to them, they just lose it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they use Dahmer to get over new people all the time as well. Like, mm-hmm. they, they, this seems to be like the move from CZW is like open with Dahmer, putting someone over. Yeah, like, definitely. Like, and it's, I, I mean, Dahmer's not very good, though. No, he's terrible. And yeah. Jeff Rocker doesn't look anything special. Like, I don't even think Ruck- like Ruckus is probably very green in this match, but he's clearly already way better than yeah, the other yeah, two. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so at one point, Dahmer and Ruckus are sort of just brawling outside when Rocker does like a scared guy dive to both. Like he can't really commit to it. But then Ruckus just pops up immediately. He gets in the ring and does this handspring moonsault outside the ring. And the fans start chanting CZW and then holy shit. They're just, this is one of their guys already. 
Uh, Dahmer and Rocker are just doing the laziest, like, shittiest brawling I've ever seen. And they're clearly just waiting for Ruckus to, to do, like, a cool move or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's just taking too long, so they just look awful. And then Ruckus appears out of nowhere, and he tries to, like, kick off the wall into a moonsault, but he just completely botches it and lands on his back. But the fans sort of, like, give him a pass because he just did something really cool. But then Ruckus decides, I'm saving this, and he does, like, a quadruple handspring just into the moonsault on Rocker on the ground. Which, again, like, Ruckus looks sort of heavy here, and he's just, like, he's one of those sort of fat guy gymnasts who just yeah. do incredible things. Yeah, it's wild. Like, he just pulls it out. He, he just goes for it, and it, it works most of the time, and he does just look leagues ahead of the other two. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Dahmer gets control of Ruckus in the ring, and then both him and Rocker dropkick him in the balls. They take turns <laughs> dropkicking Ruckus in the balls. They're like, we got to stop this guy. <laughs> yeah. The power clearly is coming from his balls. 100%. And then Dahmer turns on Rocker, hitting a pump handle avalanche right under the back of his neck, but Ruckus breaks up the pin. Fans just start demanding the table, so then Ruckus just goes out and grabs one, and again, the fans are like, oh, yeah. our guy. Yeah. <laughs> and Rocker suplexes him, and then Dahmer DDTs Rocker, lays him on the table, and climbs to the top, but Rocker cuts him off and then hits a super fisherman buster off the top for the clean win at 7 minutes and 40 seconds. So they go with fucking jeff rocker for some reason they're putting him over yeah he's, he's gonna be a big star he's a big star and then ruckus not to lose his heat just continues the attack on Dahmer. yeah <laughs> uh and then we get our hard cut and out next from anywhere in delaware it's the rock and rebel and this is a guy every time i see him i almost like forget about him and like then i'm reminded of his existence and I'm yeah like, oh, i hate this guy his rat tail is very prominent this this time <laughs> around for sure it makes it makes a a big appearance, front yeah. and center. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, so Nick Burke, uh, <laughs> Nick Burke is out next as his opponent, which, if you remember, was the first ever Rock and Rebel match we saw in that outside card. Uh, and he yells Texas to booze for some reason. And again, Nick Burke meant to be the babyface here. Rock and Rebel meant to be the heel, and for some reason, he just shouts out a different town, whereas Rebel is from Delaware. Yeah, I d- I don't know. Um what they're going for to be honest because like nobody likes either of these guys so i don't know who they're why they're trying to build heat or build you know goodwill because everyone hates these guys yeah myself included (laughs) um so at this point we begin the match burke is heard enough oh yeah sorry rebel starts cutting a promo oh yeah how could i forget this this was really fucked up so he's cutting a promo. He's going at the crowd saying he's going to fuck their moms, fuck their sisters. And then for some reason, he just makes a racial joke about Ruckus where he's like, oh, and by the way, if you're wondering where your TV went, I bet Ruckus stole it or something like that. And you're just like, was that just because he saw a black guy in the back and like he thought of it? Like, yeah, he didn't. He, he didn't think he was a wrestler. <laughs> Like, no way. Was, I mean... And, and, and if you were to ask me if Rock and Rebel is a racist, yeah. I'd say 100% he is. 100 but like, old, <laughs> proper old school... Like, he knows, uh, like, words that have been long forgotten by most <laughs> other racists. He can just bust out insane words. Yeah, that's... Uh, he's dog shit. I hate him. I really don't like him. Yeah, yeah. Rock and Rebel, I mean. Yeah. Yeah, no, Ruckus is Ruckus awesome. is great, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Rock and Rebel's garbage. So Burke's heard enough and just attacks Rebel to start the match. He throws him outside, and then he hits a Luthez press off the apron, which I'm like, proper throwback. Even though I guess Stone Cold Steve Austin was still the most popular wrestler in the world at this point. And then Ref- Rebel even starts begging off, almost like Ric Flair, like a pussy would. And, <laughs> and, and Nick Burke just kicks him in the face and just keeps attacking him. Uh, Rebel reverses an Irish whip for a short-arm clothesline and then throws Burke outside. 
Then he hits his like pathetic axe handle to the outside. Again, just looks like a guy who's scared to get hurt when he's jumping off the apron. Uh, and he gets Burke back inside right away for a neck breaker, spine buster. And then he shouts out, this is for the Hulkster. And he hits a leg drop. He's so weird. Like, he's so such a weird wrestler. I don't yeah. understand him. I don't know what, <laughs> like, why he's doing it. Because I don't think, it doesn't look like he enjoys it to yeah. any degree. And, like, I don't know. It's just a very odd proposition of Rockin' Rebel. He's... Jeff Rocker doesn't emanate hatred for what he's doing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Whereas Rockin' Rebel does just seem to hate every minute of it. I mean, Jeff Rocker inspires hatred for me. Yeah, so yeah, boring. for sure. But <laughs> Rebel gets mad at the referee for counting two and then tells the crowd, it's all right because I already fucked the ref's sister. And it's like, dude, we're just done with you. It's like the yeah. guy at the open mic where it's like, okay, man, just give the mic back. We're, yeah, yeah. We're done just, hearing from you. Yeah, it's 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 crazy. Like, you don't you don't speak to uh, in ccw you respect the ref that's <laughs> always been the way unless you're trying to crucify him of course yeah no well that's fine <laughs> and then burke comes back with a sit-out bomb then a frog splash but before he hits the frog splash he yells who wants to see a frog splash and the fans are like i, I guess yeah he hits a nice frog splash and then rebel attempts to fireball nick burke in his face but botches it he's just too far away so Burke just hits a cradle shock, and then at two, the bell randomly rings as the announcer says stoically, this is a time limit draw. Dude, what the worst way to end, like, yeah, I An mean, I'm glad match. it's over. I'm glad it's over. By the way, this time limit draw coming at six minutes and 27 seconds. That famous that famous time limit they always do. Yeah. Um, yeah, very strange, very strange. Hated every minute. And then after, Nick Burke's calling for five more minutes. And I'm like, this match went six and a half minutes. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean five more minutes? Yeah. Uh, and then Rebel just attacks Burke. And then Ruckus actually shows up to ch- chase him off. So I'm like, at least they paid that off if this was written into the story. And it wasn't just Ruckus like, I'm going to go beat that racist guy's ass. Yeah, because he's not. I mean, I d- Rock and Rebel is weird. Like, it's just weird. It's like, what? I don't know if he's actually shouting these things, like, as a character. or Because remember, he called the mayor, like, he was like, I can't believe you elected that, whatever. Yeah. Y- you know, and like, <laughs> really went for it. Mm-hmm. So it's just, like, is it a bit? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I think he's just, uh, you know, playing his real self. on. Yeah, I presume so. So n- I think him and Zandy get wasted after these shows and then talk about what he's going to say on the next show. Yeah, m- probably. And yeah. they think it's all gold. <laughs> yeah. Like Zandig's like, we got this black guy debuting, man. You should say something. You <laughs> should say something racist. It's hilarious. <laughs> So we get our hard cut, and then next out is the new team of Johnny Cashmere and Lobo, um, which is just still weird to me. They look weird together. And then out next is another weird mismatch team of Nick Gage and Trent Acid alongside Dewey Donovan. And Acid is rocking fully bleached blonde hair at this point. Uh, he looks sick. And he's back into his uh, boy band attire. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which he belongs in. That's yeah, I love it. I love it. Anything Trent Acid wears at this point, I am into. Yeah. And then Zandig randomly is in the ring. And he's looking the most, like, unzandig we've ever seen. This time wearing a baseball cap, uh, a pink sweater that's tucked in. Yeah. Yeah, it's very strange. Very it's strange. Odd. This is not the Zandig I, I paid money to see. No, yeah, no. I sp- I wanted him oiled up, and he looks incredibly dry and not not oily at the moment. <laughs> and a fan heckles him immediately, so Zandig claims to have fucked that guy's sister. And I'm like, you can tell him and Rock and Revel are just close as thieves at this point. Yeah, they <laughs> love it. That's their go-to insult. The guy might not even have a sister. Like, not everyone has sisters. Yeah, not... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is so dumb. So then Zandig, and this is we hear a lot from Zandig at this point, 
He says, without, without the rules in Delaware, I'm going to make some changes. And then he calls Trent the best junior heavyweight they have. So why is he doing tag matches? He's like, you know what? He's no longer a tag wrestler. Trent, why don't you get to the back? And so this match isn't happening. And then he's like, and Lobo, you don't belong with Johnny Cashmere. You belong with Nick Gage. So now you guys are going to be a tag team. And Lobo just no, no fight in him, no pushback. He's just like, okay, I guess I'm teaming with Nick Gage. Yeah, Meek, uh, whatever. What was it, the Game of Thrones? Yeah, my name is Meek Reek or whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's that's what he is at this point. I mean... He does sort of give off Reek vibes. And yeah. Uh, and then he points out Dewey Donovan. And he's like, you know what? Trent's already great without you. We don't need you. You're not with Trent anymore. <laughs> it's just like, this seems like writing, to, like how he writes the show in the back. You know? Yeah, but he's just doing it out in public now. Yeah, very strange. And again, Dewey Donovan just accepts it and walks to the back. Uh, and then finally he tells Kashmir, now that we got a team for you to face, you're going to do a handicap match with these two. Unless, do you people want me to see you give him a partner? And I guess they're supposed to be cheering, but they're all booing. They're like, no, fuck Jenny <laughs> Yeah, they hate him. And then Zandig doesn't listen to him anyways. And it's like, well, he's going to team up with The Bar. And I'm like, <laughs> all right. Like, what is this? It's yeah, this is wild. None of this made any sense at all. Is is this what New Jersey didn't allow him to do? Like, <laughs> the mayor yeah. was like, you can't split those boys up. They're my favorite tag team, actually. And then Zandig <laughs> was like, well, I'm going to Delaware then because I want to split them up. Yeah, I'm going to make The Bar wrestle in Delaware. Yeah, I told you, Dewey Donovan, he's by himself now. By the way, he says from this point forward, he's no longer the bar. He's now Z-bar, like Z-bar. And I was like, was this a necessary change? Z-bar. Yeah, and he will team with Johnny Cashmere. So we get Johnny Cashmere and Z-bar versus Nick Gage and Lobo. Uh, and I rewound to listen to that because I was like, did I hear Like, I thought it was just a weird thing. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's what he said. And Bar demands to be in first to face Lobo. As the fans start chanting, Lobo is going to kill you. Which I always thought was a Samoa Joe originated chant, but... No, nope. came from another CZWOG. Yeah, uh, and Lobo goes to lock up with Barr, and Barr just throws his hands up and tags out immediately, which I thought was sort <laughs> yeah. of funny. Uh, so Cashmere starts fast with a big DDT on Lobo, and then he drop kicks Nick Gage off the apron. He puts Lobo in a sub, which is just dumb with Nick Gage on the apron, because he comes in with a chair and just smacks Cashmere to break up the submission. Yeah which I always think is funny. Uh, and then he throws Cashmere outside and just hurls him into the sea of chairs. And then that wasn't enough, so he just picks him up out of the chairs and throws him like to the side again through the sea of chairs. Uh, Cashmere's just getting fucked up here. Lobo tries to dive on Bar and Cashmere, and they both jump out of the way. So Lobo actually just does the Undertaker dive onto Gage, and it allows Cashmere to springboard Senton onto both, which looks pretty decent, actually. He gets Gage in the ring, lays him down, and then hits a corkscrew senton off the top right flatly onto Gage, like squishes him Jeff Hardy style. He looks good. Yeah, it's a decent. This is probably the best match so far. Oh, sure. definitely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the last two were dog shit. Yeah, so. true. Uh, <laughs> he also hits something that cool move I'd not seen. Like he s goes to get Gage up for a suplex and then lands it into a cutter, which I thought was cool. But Lobo breaks up the two fall. Then Cashmere clotheslines Gage, clotheslines Lobo, and he starts crawling for the hot tag to Bar. And Bar just throws up his hands and jumps off the apron. He's like, I'm not fighting these you guys. You jerk. Even though he's they're down or whatever. And I'm like, what is Bar meant to be? Are we meant Z Bar? Z Bar, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. What is it like? Because last time he was going against Pastor Jim and Dahmer with his doppelganger. He's still got a doppelganger outside who's just watching this. Yeah, and he was like a cameraman. He's like a cameraman sort of. And like the bar can't. I don't know. It's. Like, it is strange, the people who hang about with CZW, like, it, it just 
pieces of a jigsaw that don't fit. <laughs> Zandig's just like, well, I, he just keeps showing up each week, so we just keep letting him sit by the ring. Yeah, it was like when Justin Case used to be his heavy at his side. And yeah. Then one week he was just with Justice Payne, and it was like, okay. <laughs> and that other guy, Big Smooth. Oh, yeah, yeah. I miss Big Smooth, yeah. <laughs> and anyway, so this leaves an opening for Gage to hit the choke breaker on Kashmir. And then Lobo's bringing in a table as they do this. They set it up, and then Gage stands on the table. They get Kashmir stood on the table, and Gage just hits a brain buster through the table, which looked great. Yeah, it looked brutal. And he gets the pinfall on Kashmir here at six minutes and seven seconds. And for maybe the first time ever, there's no promo from Nick Gage. They just leave without incident. He's not like Zandig was told him in the back. He's like, no promos in Delaware, mate. No more promos, bro. Yeah. So then we cut. And Robbie Moreno is in the ring for some reason. <laughs> yeah. And he's got a he's got his same suit. You can tell the guy's only got one suit because it's the same one every show. Uh, and he's in the ring with a microphone. He says, as Kashmir's brother, that hurt me to watch. But as the vice president, I got to ask, do you think it's all a coincidence? Don't you remember the good old days? And then as he says this, Mambo number five starts yeah, playing. <laughs> it's crazy. I was like, I thought we'd finally escape this. But yeah. I, he's ins- insisting on bringing it back. The crowd are, like, booing as well. Like, nobody is, like, wanting them to get back together. <laughs> yeah. The good old days where you guys got broken up because Kashmir turned on you. Yeah. Af- after just getting called gay nonstop for, yeah. like, months at a time. And completely screwed him in the most absurd way out of a tag team title and just, like, yeah, yeah homophobic they they were, slurs. and There were no good old days. Yeah. They were all bad old days. Yeah. So then he's like, but if you get in this ring right now, Johnny, and shake my hand, this will all go away. And instead, Kashmir just flips him the bird and leaves. And then we get another camera cut to Trent Acid coming back out. Like, this all just felt, like, very disjointed. And yeah, weird. all over the place. It, Dr- Trent Acid comes out, and Zandig is, like, alongside him, like, as his manager now. Still dressed the same. Still looking, like, awful. Like, he's been on the couch this whole time. Yeah, he's very, yeah, smart casual for a, <laughs> a juiced-up man. <laughs> yeah. And Zandig grabs the mic again, and I'm like, fuck, man. We just heard, like, ten minutes from this guy. Uh, and he intros Trent Acid as the best junior heavyweight wrestler of all time. Then he hands Acid the mic, and Acid's like, I'm the best junior heavyweight <laughs> wrestler of all time. And I'm going for the title. Um, and he, but he's like, I'm not going to wrestle tonight if I hear any of these homophobic slurs. And he lists yeah. them all off, which just prompts them to chant them at him. And then Zandig basically cuts a promo, and he's like, that's not true. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's not. He's not. Yeah, and he's like, you can all suck it to the crowd. Like, Zandig's turned heel out of nowhere on his own crowd. And and to punish them, he's, like, pushing Trent Acid and giving them a bad show. This Uh, all makes no sense at all. Yeah, their first show in Delaware as well. I don't know. It just seems like an odd odd approach. Like, I don't know, like, (laughs) to immediately launch out of the gate just being like, I fucked all your sisters. (laughs) Yeah. So then Acid, um, then it's weird. He just bolts out of the ring and like before they even announce he's in a match. And he goes to like hide behind the crowd near the entrance ramp. And then music starts playing. And the, the nameplate at the bottom ring reads Briscoe's Valentine, which I would find out is Eddie Valentine, who would later be known as Fast Eddie, who I thought was Eddie Kingston for a second. Mm. But it was not. And the Briscoe Brothers. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I was like, holy shit, I thought Ruckus was a big debut on yeah, this one. Yeah, wild. Absolutely, absolutely wild. And they look, you would not know that they became the Briscoes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're both out in red singlets. So a side profile <laughs> yeah. for the Briscoes. They debuted in the year 2000, just one year before this, when they were only 15 and 16, respectively. 
born in uh, 84 and 85, uh, and then debuted for CZW on this show, obviously, where they would later appear one year later on Ring of Honor's first show. But I remember one of them, uh, the younger one, Mark, I believe. I, I forget which one's younger. But the younger one isn't allowed to wrestle on that Ring of Honor show because they have standards, and they're like, no, the, <laughs> the law doesn't allow that. Yeah. Which is hilarious because both of them wrestle on this show. Yeah, so that's why you're in Delaware, baby. <laughs> Uh, they have their longest run here in Ring of Honor as the staple of a tag division, eventually breaking out as single stars. And I believe Jay Briscoe even wins the title for a lengthy run. Uh, they would be featured in many other companies, notably PWG, New Japan, even Impact in 2022, just not that long ago, teaming the whole time until, of course, Jay Briscoe's untimely passing from a car accident. Not in 2023, like not too long ago. Yeah. Just rough. one year's past, actually. And... Uh, yeah, great to see these guys. I'm like, fuck, the Briscoes. Yeah, I mean, they've become incredible wrestlers and things like that, but they, they look like the definition of a pipsqueak at this point. They look like children. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, they do look like children. <laughs> they are. <laughs> yeah, they start, they're in elementary. They've got class after in elementary school. <laughs> yeah, so this is nuts. And for some reason, this match is Trent Acid versus Eddie Valentine and the Briscoe brothers in a one-on-three handicap match. It's to prove he's the best, isn't he? I think that's why Zandig booked it. He's yeah. Like, Look, I'm the booker, so he's going over. <laughs> yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna put him <laughs> over by having him beat up children. <laughs> so Acid, his plan works perfectly as these guys just enter like looking for him in the ring, and he just jumps all three of them from <laughs> yeah. behind. Then he dives on the Briscoes before throwing Eddie into the ring. But Eddie reverses an Irish whip, and they hit a triple three D on him, and then the Briscoes hit the heart attack right after. So I'm like, this is exactly what should be happening. The yeah. three guys just beating the shit out of the single guy. Uh, and Dewey Donovan is also out there with these three. It's almost like he found the first team he could find backstage. And you're like, I'm managing you guys now. Yeah, you're my kids now. <laughs> so a Acid mounts a comeback, super kicking Eddie and drop kicking both Briscoes out of the ring before just going outside and taking forever to grab three chairs and construct a chair table in the ring. Yeah, it's fair, it's really weird. Like, There's a lot of moments like this that's like this episode where there just seems to be like weird confusion yeah, between and, and like Briscoes what's going on. Have to sell this drop kick like they've been murdered. Just yeah. to like give them time to set up. It doesn't make sense. And then it's one of those as soon as he's done making it, the other three guys just jump him and use, <laughs> yeah. it, use it against him. So they put acid on the top rope. Uh, I, one of the Briscoes. The Briscoes are really tough to tell apart here, by the way. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Like they would eventually adopt sort of different characters and even looks on purpose to separate them. But for the longest time, I had the toughest time. And, yeah, this is no different. I believe it's Jay Briscoe hits a Frankensteiner as Acid hits his own chair table. And then Eddie begins hitting rotating German suplexes, then a face buster on Acid. Uh, Acid's outside when Mark Briscoe whiffs a senton. Just like he barely touches Acid and just lands on his back from the top rope. It's like awful. And then Jay then flips onto both of them and throws Acid into the sea of chairs. Uh, the Briscoes build a chair table of their own using four chairs. And then Eddie just brutally power bombs acid on it. This looked like awful. Like two of the chairs yeah. completely broke. Yeah, not good. Not not nice. Uh, and again, like there are violent bumps in this, but so far it's just been tables and chairs. You, no, yeah, no I've glass, not seen any blood. No death matches. No blood. Yeah. Um, the Br Briscoes then hit a tandem leg drop splash at the same time, Hardy Boys style, actually, followed by a flying headbutt from Eddie. And then they all go to pin, like doing this one hand lame pin. But then, like, Eddie would go to pin, and Mark pulled him off, and then Mark goes to pin, and Jay pulls him off. And it's like, I'm pretty sure it's one pinfall to the finish here, guys. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. It doesn't matter. So this made no sense at all. And it allows Acid to sort of get a comeback as Eddie climbs to the top rope, and Acid just throws a chair at his head. 
Then he tosses a, a chair to Jay, and Van dominates it. Then kicks Mark out of the ring, leg drops Jay, hits a super face buster to Eddie off the top for the win at 7 minutes and 55 seconds. Uh, I mean, it, none of it made sense at all, and it was really sloppy and sort of like... Yeah, I mean... It's, there it's, were good spots, I guess. Yeah, it was decent, and like it's fun to watch just for the novelty of seeing the Briscoes and things like that, so... Yeah. Yeah, it was like... Not great, but I mean, I don't know what I expected out of a grown man beating up th- like kids. <laughs> yeah, well, to be fair, we don't know how old Eddie Valentine was. 14. He could be 14, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then they go to continue the beatdown on acid, but then Zandig makes the save and chases the Briscoes and Eddie just away. Uh, and we get our hard camera cut. What's up, Brainiacs? Hope you're enjoying the podcast. Just a programming note that every Monday at 9 Central, you can join me, Andrew Slack, and Josh Custodio for Monday Night Program. Come hang out with us as we continue to build the WBCW universe using Fire Pro Wrestling Promoter Mode. Who should we sign? What matches should we book? Join us for the only professional wrestling program on Monday nights. That's Monday Night Program on twitch.tv slash wrestlingbrain. Tazandig still in the ring now holding a microphone. Yeah, he's he's going full Vince. It feels like it's like he insane. wants he wants to like really be more involved. I don't know. It's very strange. Like we always used to say how overindulgent Zandig was, and this might be him at his worst. Yeah, us. definitely. Especially because he's you know he's not even showing us the bod. He doesn't even. No, he's not even got his like yellow like jacket on or whatever. <laughs> or like he's like oiled up. There's just it's very strange. And like I guess because it's a new. Sh- like the first show in a new town or whatever, like he wants to be there, but it's just look, it just feels like the Zandig show. Yeah, very strange. And it, so he starts cutting a promo now on Justice Justice Pain. Acid is just gone, by the way. He's not even hanging around here. Starts cutting a promo on Justice Pain and says, "You know, I brought Justin Case into this wrestling world, and I'm going to take him out. So just in case you're no longer wrestle alongside Justice Pain in his matches." And it's like, okay, like. Is he wrestling up next? No, he's not. He's not even in the next yeah, match. Yeah, it's, it's fucking weird. So the mu- music hits, and Rick Blade enters to a big pop. The crowd like really seemed to love Rick well, Blade. They, you know, they, they were like, oh, that's the guy off the TV from earlier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, off the giant Titans. Yeah. And then Zandig cuts a promo on Blade, and he's like, so what What if you can do flips and double this and triple whatever? <laughs> he's like, I don't give a shit. And he's like, I'm done with watching you versus Mondo. And I'm like, why are you burying this guy? Yeah, this is strange. He's I mean, I agree. I, like, I would like something a bit different. But also, yeah, why is Andy doing it's this? It's also been the best part of your show for like <laughs> yeah. months running at a time. Um, and also, it's like your company. It just makes no fucking sense at all. Uh, and then Justice Payne enters. And Zandig's like, what are you doing here? Like, just he did not expecting this. Justice Payne grabs a mic and he insults Zandig. The fans cheer. And he's like, you're right about one thing. This is your company, but you didn't build it. It's people like Rick Blade, Lobo. And he started cutting this babyface promo. Yeah, nowhere. it's, it's like, so strange. He looks good. I think he looks good, actually, as well. Like, he looks, he's oily, like, which, <laughs> you know, we love. But, like, he, he does look a bit juiced, but he doesn't look, like, he looks healthier yeah. than he has previously. But The yeah, past few shows, it looks like he's been on a bender. Yeah. Like, it's, uh, he looked unhealthy, for sure. But in this one, he's like looking good. He's you know he's got his mind back, and he and he just knows he needs to give Rick Blade some love. And he even calls out Zandig, being like, "Why haven't we seen your ass in this ring?" True. Which I'm like, that's what I'm saying. Very man. true. Just his pain. And then he says, "You know what, Blade? I'd love to face you, but Tajiri is already signed for the the world title match." Sort of spoiling it. I would have liked to have been surprised by that. Yeah. But he's like, "But I got a special opponent for you. Bring out Super Crazy." And I was like, "Oh fuck." 
super crazy. This is huge. And also, the third side profile for this match, for those who don't know, super crazy. Born in Mexico, 1973. Debuted in the independence there at the age of 14. What? So eat your heart out, Briscoe Did bros. That's, that's <laughs> I'm pretty sure Rey Mysterio was like 13 or 14, too. Like yeah. Mexico just doesn't give a fuck at all. Uh, he was a mainstay in the independence for about seven years before debuting with AAA in 1996, which would actually allow him to make a few WWF appearances in 97 due to a working agreement they had with AAA, before eventually debuting in ECW in 1998, where he would really make his name with spectacular matches, notably with Tajiri, Little Guido, Mikey Whipwreck, and others. Little Guido. <laughs> yeah, Little Guido rules. He would eventually face Tajiri uh, in the final ECW show, which I found out reading this happened 13 days before the event we're reviewing, which makes sense probably why he's here. Uh, he would eventually work the Indies and in New Japan for a few years before being brought into WWE for the ECW revival and would then go on to be in a SmackDown faction called the Mexicools, uh, a vaguely <laughs> racist group uh, featuring Juventud Guerrera and Psychosis that would have them entering on tractors. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> kidding. That's pretty sick. It was pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> and then it would be back to the Indies for Super Crazy, where outside of a few cameos and appearances, he still wrestles to this day. No, well, a, a, you know, rare happy ending. Yeah, I mean, I love Super Crazy. This guy rules. The fans are going just fucking crazy, which uh, not don't mean to make the, the obvious, what do you call it, the pun there? Is that even a pun? What? I just said he's going crazy for Super Crazy. Oh, yeah, I didn't even, it was that subtle. <laughs> but then also, it's it's like every show Zandig makes a point to shit on ECW, you know? And then it's yeah. like, here's a guy from the ECW bottom of, not bottom of the card, but he's not like a main eventer there or whatever. And it's like, he's immediately the biggest star in CZW. Yeah, I mean, it's always that way, right? Like, they'll all, they'll all shit on each other. And then as soon as there's an opportunity, they just sign them all up, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. It's, and then uh, the guy's a huge deal. In yeah. Tiny company. Yeah, he's massive. Um, so yeah, there's, the, there's like no slurs being shouted at him. So, you know, they like it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, luckily Rock and Rebel wasn't here to give his take on Super <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Uh, but yeah, they begin, as you might imagine, with a fast-paced reverse-off, and uh, immediately Super Crazy just shows himself as a cut above the rest of the roster here. Uh, but Blade keeps up, uh, and it ends in a stalemate with just a, like a standing ovation and a CCW chant from this crowd. Uh, and then both guys just go to opposite sides of the ring to taunt and like drink in this response. You can tell it's like the best crowd reaction Rick Blade's ever been a part of. In his yeah, life. it must have been cool for him to, because like, for sure. You know, like a lot uh, back then, like stuff shutting down and like things, it would have always been a surprise. Like it's not like now where it's all online and you can kind of follow a descent. Mm-hmm. Like I imagine the ECW thing was quite shocking. So like for Rick Blade to then 13 days later be wrestling against the guy he's no doubt like watched on TV is pretty wild. Yeah, totally. And uh, like outside of Jeff Hardy, it's like, yeah, you've seen Rick Blade do this. Like he was doing the super crazy triple moonsaults like, yeah. a couple shows ago. And he does the tarantula that Tajiri innovated. Like, he loves these guys in this style of wrestling. So yeah. It is pretty cool for him. Uh, there are more reversals when finally Super Crazy lands gut kicks and then does a jump over springboard moonsault onto Rick Blade, which looked great. Blade reverses Crazy and hits a senton outside, then throws him back in the ring. And this is great because Crazy just keeps running when he hits the ring and then goes for a sp- top rope springboard moonsault, which looks great. And then he hits 10 punches in the corner and a springboard missile drop kick for a two count. Uh, Blade counter whips with a handspring back elbow, which again, Tajiri's move, uh, and then does a perfect swanton bomb off the top rope for two. Uh, Blade goes out to get chairs, 
And it's funny because as Blade is getting chairs, Super Crazy pulls the camera in close and he's like, watch this, dog. Like, yeah, it's I'm f- about to do something crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it feels very TV. Like, yeah. like super TV to be like that. And like this, the guy with the camera probably like, you can't, this camera is not built to survive you grabbing it and pulling <laughs> it. Like, please don't do that. But, but it's also hilarious because it's Blade setting up Crazy to take a move, which he's yeah. about to reverse. But Crazy's being like, watch what I'm about to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he counters Blade on the top rope and hits an ins- uh, Sorry, Blade makes a, a chair table with two chairs at the bottom, then goes to the top of Crazy. Crazy counters with a sunset powerbomb and just smashes Blade through these yeah, chairs. They th- both go flying in opposite directions. Absolutely brutal. <laughs> yeah, it looked awful. Uh, and then he tries to powerbomb Blade onto, chair, onto the chair, but Blade counters into a DDT onto it for a two. He calls for a 450, or I thought he was, but it would later be a shooting star press. And he almost breaks his neck on this shooting star press. He, like, almost Brock Lesnar's it and just lands on head first. Yeah. It's like, oh, man, like, maybe stick to the 450. This looked incredibly dangerous. And then out of nowhere, Nick Mondo shows up wearing, like, a hoodie and sweats looking like shit. <laughs> uh, and he just starts laying boots to Rick Blade for a DQ at eight minutes. And Super Crazy turns to the camera again. He's like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. who's this guy? <laughs> yeah, like, he di- he genuinely didn't know Nick Mondo was going to show up. Yeah. So it was great while it lasted. Yeah. Uh, it was a really good match. Really fun. Um, and, and I guess this, you know, uh, I didn't think this was a offensive finish. They wanted to not pin Super Crazy since they announced he'll be coming back on the next show. Yeah. Or Rick Blade. It's a classic thing to do, right? Like, when, when you don't really want to... You don't want to have one of them lose, basically. So you just do a DQ. Mm-hmm. Well, and a lot of guys like with names like Crazy or Tajiri, I wouldn't be surprised if they're like, "Look, I'm either not losing, or if I am losing, it's got to be because I'm getting fucked over." Like, yeah, yeah. I, I've got a reputation, and I'm, no one knows who these guys are. Uh, not that I know if that was the case or not here. But then Crazy stops the attack and then starts fucking up Nick Mondo with Rick Blade as they hit a double team move on him, uh, and Blade hits a cradle shock on Mondo, sending him out of the ring. And then they s- call for the triple moonsaults, and they each take turns moonsaulting up each rope from the bottom to the second to the top. And then Rick Blade ends it with like a crazy spinal tap corkscrew. And the fans go fucking wild here. Yeah, it's some of the best, yeah, just like individual spots that has been on CZW that this crowd will have seen for sure. It looked awesome. Yeah. And, and they were going wild. It was all just built really well. Yeah. Especially as right after Blade's cutting a promo on Mondo. Says, we are going to do our ladder match on the next show. And then Crazy grabs the microphone. He's like, well, I'm going to be there too. <laughs> yeah. So they announced triple threat ladder match on the next show between Blade, Mondo, and Super Crazy. That's really exciting. Which is great. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, so this segment... I can't say anything bad about it other than maybe the Zandig promo at the beginning. Um, but yeah, this was all great. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of fun. Like, yeah, I'm really excited for that for that ladders match. Mm-hmm. I think it'll be great. Uh, and dangerous. And I think Nick Mondo and Rick Blade are going to bump a lot. <laughs> yeah, I expect at least one broken bone. Yes. Uh, we get our hard cut to get ba- brought back down to earth with the entrance of Nate Hatred, which I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> like, yeah. That sucks. Uh, and he's out next. As fans just hate this guy. They're booing. If you remember, he's meant to be like the baby face taking it to the hate club. And then Wife Beater comes out next to just a huge applause. Yeah, people fucking love Wife Beater. <laughs> he's a huge favorite Yeah, <laughs> to the CCW audience. Uh, Smack Mac cuts just an awful promo, which I, we could hear sort of, but I just wasn't paying attention. I just hate. I'm so done with Smack Mac, and I don't think Wife Beater needs him at this point. Um, and then we get our match, Nate Hatred versus Wife Beater for the CZW Ironman Champion. That if you remember, Nate Hatred won last yeah, week. Yeah, very strange. And just an awful matchup. 
You know, it's, it's funny, like, White Beater and Nick Gage had that great uh, ultraviolet match on, on my favorite CZW show. They said it couldn't be done. And, the, <laughs> yeah. and then followed it up with a rematch the next show. And I was like, they shouldn't even do this rematch because yeah. there's no way they're topping it. Whereas I'm like, at least with this rematch, there's no way it could be as bad as the last one. And also, I forgot to say, Wife Beater enters holding a barbed wire table that's just wrapped in spools and spools yeah. of barbed wire. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's worse, but I don't know if it's significantly better, even though apparently they're not shackled by the burden, like New Jersey, <laughs> by like the woke New Jersey mob or whatever. Like, yeah, no there, kidding. Isn't a, it's not that much better or that much violent, to be honest. I'm just perplexed by what this the entire point of this was. I agree. I again, like this barbed wire is the most intense violence we see uh, in this whole show. Yeah, it's so strange. So wife beater back body drops and throws Nate hatred outside. Uh, he and then whips uh, him into the sea of chairs. Or sorry, Nate reverse whips wife beater into the sea of chairs. But then wife beater reverses Nate when he runs at him and back body drops him just onto chairs. And I saw him land like back first onto the a sitting up chair. <laughs> like it looked awful. Like, yeah. He broke his back. Uh, and then. Wife Beater just picks him up and suplexes him into the sea of chairs once again. Uh, they go back and forth outside. Nate Hatred makes a chair table of his own and then just flatly power bombs the Wife Beater on it. And Wife Beater just no sells. He's just back to his feet like it didn't happen. He runs at Nate and Nate just reverse power slams him flat onto the ground, which makes like a terrible splat. Noise. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it looked awful. Uh, and then he lays a chair on Wife Beater's chest and drops a leg on it. Uh, back in the ring, we get more of Nate Hatred's wrestling, and he hits just another shitty bulldog for two. But then a fisherman uh, suplex with a bridge, the perfect plex for a two count, which I'm like, didn't expect to see from him. Uh, and then he goes out to grab the barbed wire table. And I'm like, okay, yeah, stick to the weapons here, guys. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> That's what you're here for. Um, he flatly power bombs. Uh, wife beater through it for a two count. Uh and the fans are just chanting wife beater this whole hot time, even though he just ate the wire. And then Nate Hatred picks him up and Fisherman busters him again, or suplexes him again onto the wire for a two count. Wife beater's back is just all sliced up and bloody here. Finally some blood. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when it comes from a guy's back, you're like, okay, that's pretty hard. Yeah. Uh, and then wife beater just, again, sort of no-sells it. He gets to his feet, choke bombs Nate Hatred onto the wire, and wins back his Iron Man title at seven minutes and two seconds. So fucking strange that they did all this. I don't understand it. Why? Yeah. Why seesaw the title? It, it doesn't make sense at all. Yeah. It's like I don't. I don't get it. It feels like maybe something fell through and they had to do it this, then. But it was just so strange because like, it wasn't that much better even than the last match. It was better, but not by much. It was still just like, I should be more excited to see wife beat and knocking about. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, and then he pours crisps on Nate <laughs> too, which is funny, and just leaves with his title. Then we get another hard cut, and out next, Yoshihiro Tajiri. And once again, the fans just completely lose their minds here. Yeah, I knew. I mean, I didn't. I didn't have a good idea of who he was, but I knew he must be very, very good because there's no racial slurs. There's no no one shout <laughs> like there was with the last Japanese wrestler that came onto the show and was immediately hurled abuse at. <laughs> Everyone's just like, wow, I love this guy. And you're like, wow, this guy really must be good. I respect this man. Yeah. Yeah. So Tajiri, uh, born 1970 in Japan, obviously, uh, debuted in 1994. Uh, and he, it's weird. He would go between Japanese independence, then to Mexico for a while, wrestling for CMLL. And then actually to Japan to for ultraviolet promotion, Big Japan Wrestling. Oh yeah, which yeah. I had no idea about till I read, which is very interesting. 
under a pseudonym of names in in Mexico he wore a mask as Tigre Blanco um, so yeah very very interesting I didn't know that about Dejiri what I did know is eventually much like Super Crazy he would debut in ECW in 1998 where again just like Super Crazy would become famous for his fast paced athletic matches with a, a flurry of the same opponents uh, he would be known for his green mist, the tarantula, and his lethal kicks that earned him the, the nickname the Japanese Buzzsaw. Eventually, he brought into WWF during the invasion angle, where he would surprisingly thrive as a comedy character, uh, as William Regal's assistant, which I remember is just a great run. That's like, you could tell it was just, they, they had weird chemistry. Yeah, it yeah. It was awesome. And then he would go on to a lengthy run in the SmackDown's cruiserweight division, we're giving two uh, Japanese heavies, I remember, Akio and Sakoda, I believe their names were. Okay. And so he had his own little faction, and he was treated as a badass. Lots of really good matches with Rey Mysterio, uh, Jamie Noble, among others. Uh, and then he would eventually be slotted into a tag team with Rhino. Uh, he returns to Japan in 2006 for a lengthy run with the Hustle promotion, and then later has a run with New Japan in 2011, before mostly sticking to the indies after a brief return to WWE for the Cruiserweight Classic and a few TNA appearances. So, lengthy career. Again, yeah. a guy that's still wrestling now. Fair play. Um, and, yeah, I, I haven't seen him recently. I imagine he's aged quite a bit. But, uh, yeah, Tajiri, I love this guy. I'm actually, when I was a kid, I was a huge Tajiri fan as well. And he's challenging Justice Payne for the CZW world title uh, in what would be an exciting match. Uh, they actually have a much slower start uh, than Super Crazy and Blade, which I guess you would expect. Yeah. As this is the main event, and they're giving fans time to just drink it in. They're just having enjoy like, it. the stare down. Uh, at one point, they have a lockup, which ends in a stalemate, and then Tajiri just blows his green mist into the air, and the fans yeah, they fucking go lose mental. It. <laughs> yeah, and Tajiri knows it. He's like looking around, like, yeah, that's what you want, didn't you? That was cool. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you want it. Yeah. Uh, and then Justice Payne attempts a headlock. And Tajiri just spins out of it and hits him with a head kick. These are the kicks he's known for, so the fans sort of lose it once again. Uh, and they're doing it they're doing it perfectly. Like yeah, Tajiri always was a bigger star than Super Crazy, uh, and that's why he sort of got the WWF run earlier. But you can tell he knows how to play it up. Yeah, and it is it it, it would have been wild for these audience. Like it must be it'd be like if you're an open mic and then like you know Peter Kay or like Lee Evans or just like someone just randomly shows up at your open mic. And you're just like, holy, sh like the audience, <laughs> yeah. like you would be going mental. And it is, it is like nice to see as well that like the CZW crowd, you know, I know that they've been called the like most passionate, mo the best fans around, <laughs> but they often <laughs> prove themselves not to be. <laughs> yeah. Um. So it's nice to see that there's like a good atmosphere, I think, and it does help the the overall quality. I'd say of the episode that not everyone is. I mean, the slurs are there. Yeah, they do shout some slurs at certain points throughout the show, but overall, like the crowd are actually into it, and it's nice to feel like the people watching it live don't hate everything they're seeing. Yeah, and it makes me feel good for these guys too, because like ECW shutting down, like that was the high point of their careers was that company. Yeah, so you're probably like not too sure of where you're gonna end up. And just knowing that there's crowds of people like this in the middle of fucking nowhere that are going to lose their minds. Well, hope we don't have any Delaware listeners. <laughs> but it's like, you, it, they have followings now. They have, uh, you know, a name. They could probably yeah. live off the indies if that's what they wanted to do forever. Definitely, and yeah. So it's like, you know, nowhere to go but up from here. Uh, they have tests of strength where both re reverse out of it and then leads to their own fast-paced reverse off that ends in a stalemate. And again, the crowd just loses their mind at the end. Uh, and it's weird. They keep just matching each other move for move. Like at one point, Justice Payne gets Tajiri into a, a submission, an STF. 
and then Tajiri gets the ropes, and then Tajiri applies the exact same submission, only for Justice Payne to get the ropes. Uh, they end up brawling outside where Tajiri gets thrown into the sea of chairs, and then Wife Beater appears out of nowhere, uh, attacking Tajiri and allowing uh, Justice Payne to hit an uh, Asai moonsault. So I love that, ju- just in case, I doubt he was even in the building, because we don't see him on this entire yeah. show. And he has obviously been banned earlier from Zandig. True. So instead, Justice Payne uh, brings out a much better wrestler to, to have his back and just be his corner man. Yeah. Th- I mean, you, w- you want to see the wife be around. I do wonder, like, these matches, how much Zandig was, like, in control. Whether Tajiri and Super Crazy were like, well, I'm going to kind of dictate these matches myself. Mm-hmm. Or, like, whether Zandig was saying no wife beaters then going to come out or whatever. Like, I, I think Zandig definitely... Uh, I don't know. He probably... <laughs> I mean, in WWE, they have road agents, which are, like, experienced yeah. wrestlers that help them through the matches. I think Zandig is the road agent on every single match on these Yeah, shows. it's just it's just very strange, because, like, Tajiri would have been a bigger name than Zandig, right? Like, even though of it's course. Zandig's company. Zan- Tajiri is bigger than this entire company. Yeah, so it's just, like... But at the same time, like, you know, he must have known that wife beater was going to come and beat yeah, the shit so out of him yeah know? it's just why just like who was like just imagine going up to cheer after ecw and being like yeah this wrestler called wife beater <laughs> is going to come in halfway through the match and he's like okay yeah fair uh, enough but i just think the the logical gap of not like so you ban justice just in case because you don't want the extra help for justice pain why wouldn't you just ban hate club from coming to ring no no, and so like again, like I said, Wife Beater is a much more accomplished wrestler. Yeah, backing him up, it's it's dumb. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, which is sort of annoying. Then Tajiri reverse whips Justice Payne, and it's like he's meant to go into the sea of chairs, but he lands seated in a chair, and this chair slides all the way back through the crowd, like into it's the hallway. It's pretty sick. It's like a, it's like <laughs> a from a comic book film or something. Yeah, it looked awesome. Yeah, and you can tell like I don't even think he meant to go that far. It just happened sort of by happenstance. Yeah. And so then Tajiri starts just picking up chairs, and he does the Sabu thing where he's not swinging them at people's heads, but he's just throwing them at their heads, which always looks like there's just no way to protect a <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> yeah, yeah. So he just does that to Justice Payne, does it to Wife Beater. It gets back in the ring. Uh, and it's funny because Wife Beater's just like, I'll attack him outside, but I'm not just going to get inside the ring and fuck him up. Yeah, so. I'm not that dishonorable. So the match turns back, and now there's like a big buzz to the match at this point. Like they've sort of built it sort of well. Uh, and they have these great back and forth with that ends with Tajiri hitting buzzsaw kicks that the fans just buy as like a, a possible finish. But then Wife Beater enters the ring. He hits the choke bomb on Tajiri, which allows Justice Payne to hit a lion salt for the win at 11 minutes and 54 seconds. And maybe the, not the first time, but I like when the main event's probably the best match of the night. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I thought this was a pretty great match overall. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, the back half of this episode has been good. The f- the first half was so bad. But, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it did really pick up when you got real wrestlers involved. Yeah, and then Wife Beater continues the attack afterwards as the fans are just booing loudly. And I kept expecting, like, maybe Super Crazy to come out and save him and reunite those two. But yeah. instead, Tajiri just builds his own comeback and kicks them both in the head, sending them on their way. Uh, and then he brainbusters Justice Payne on the world title, grabs a table from the outside, lays Justice Payne on it, and hits this awesome like double stomp that just breaks the table clean. And yeah, half. it looks right. Uh, and then we get our hard cut, and when we come back, Zandig is just in the ring with Tajiri, and I'm like, "Fuck sakes!" Man. Yeah, it's crazy. I want to know how much Tajiri would have been paid, like how mu- to have Tajiri and Super Crazy on the same show. Yeah, like I know ECW's like 
crashed and burned, so that's probably why you know they're all available to be there. But well, and they're working relatively with the same cities. Like if Jersey is only two hours from Delaware, then it's also close to New York. Oh yeah, like, just it's ju- also close to Philly. Yeah, yeah, like they're all close. To, yeah, but I'm just like, how much are they getting paid? Like how? at least <laughs> this isn't like, gonna sound impressive, but at least four figures, I would guess. How like, Zandig got that much? I don't. Maybe because he's good at hiding that he's got a lot of money. I think it's because he's not paying his regular. Yeah, it mu- like I guess. Like I don't think the bar is getting paid, or and I don't. He's I don't paid th- an exposure. <laughs> yeah, or, or John Dahmer. I don't think he's getting paid. Yeah, maybe just, like fifty bucks. You know. Maybe yeah, it's just very. I I think because you don't see any of the production value improve that much mm-hmm. although i mean i know i said this is the best looking sounding it's still not good <laughs> yeah. like even relative for the time i would still <laughs> stand by it not looking very good for yeah. what the technology on offer like i don't know it just seems like how there's where's the money i guess invest to grow bigger he's like bigger wrestlers will come and things like that so i'm just like how is he affording these big guys yeah i know i think it's it must be investors. I don't know what it is, man. I was thinking this today. I would l- have loved uh, like some sort of documentary on the early days of CZW. Like, what happened to that first building we saw the first ten shows in? Were they just yeah. kicked out of there for constantly breaking shit? Maybe we should do our we should do it our own dark side of the ring. <laughs> I'd love. They should do a CZW dark yeah, side yeah. of the ring. Yeah, yeah. I'm surprised they they kind of did a bit. I get. I mean, it was secondary to the overall gauge, but um yeah anyway yeah not to do not to go too off the rails but yeah i just want to know like where's Zandig getting the green from to pay for these guys yeah uh steroid sales (laughs) yeah uh so and jeans (laughs) jeans. so Zandig is in the ring with tajiri and he's singing tajiri's praises this guy's gonna be a future czw world champion and tajiri's probably going can you afford that yeah he's like no no i won't (laughs) (laughs) no he's not uh and so he he calls for tajiri's music uh, and Tajiri leaves as you hear the announcer thanking the fans. And I was expecting lots of backstage promos or something because there's a full 10 minutes left. <laughs> yeah, no. But instead, it's full 10 minutes of blue screen. Yeah, it's <laughs> wild. I left it on. I thought I'd paused it. Which but I, I was happy because I was actually running late to come record this. Yeah. So I was like, oh, great. I get 10 minutes. Yeah, it's it, it's wild. Yeah, it's just 10, 10, blue, just 10 <laughs> minutes of a blue screen. I was like, okay. Perfect. Thank yeah. you. Thank you, CZW. Because, yeah, we, this was at the two-hour mark, which did make me groan a little. Yeah. So that was our show. Uh, what's your final assessment score here, Ben? Uh, I th- I think it's like a 1.25. I, th- I think it's, like, solid overall. Um, g- like, a, g- a good amount of good... Re- enough good wrestling to make me forget that there's a lot of bad wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, some good matches in there. And, like... Kind of like the overall atmosphere definitely does help it, like improve it in my mind. Like, still not to the the heady heights of where we've been before, but <laughs> yeah, definitely after the past few weeks of just raw raw shit that we've <laughs> had to watch, like this was a, a a massive thing, and I think partly as well, like gets me excited about what's coming up because, like, I think it seems like starting like big feels like like not just for the matches but just for the people who were involved like the briscoe showing up ruckus things mm-hmm. like that like it feels like 2001 might be like the f- the breakout year for czw with everything going on well and i didn't realize like i always knew ecw died in 2001 but i didn't realize it was like the first week of 2001 yeah like basically 2000 yeah and so the the people that benefit when these companies die are the independents a lot of the times 
uh, and it's sad, but I mean, a lot of the guys that don't get signed, this is sort of their lot for a while, are shows like these. And that is sort of a knock on CZW, but it is what it is, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and, and it does make these shows more exciting, and only more exciting knowing that WCW is just a few months away from the end as well. Um, so yeah, a lot, I think the landscape's going to change pretty drastically. I gave this show a 1.5 out of 7. Okay, so not too uh, far uh, off. Yeah, not too far off as well. And I do think even though the first half was shit, it was, there were things interspliced that made it exciting. Uh, like Ruckus showing up in that first match to me saved it. Yeah. Um, the Rock and Rebel thing was totally a wash. But even like Zandig, like it, before it got too long in the tooth, it was funny. There, like, there are moments of it's so bad, it's funny. Like, just deciding that Lobo and Gage are a team. Yeah, and <laughs> if there wasn't the, a further Lord of the Rings extended edition worth of Zandig promos after, you'd be like, that was a cool little thing he did. He came in and was kind of like, yeah, I'm the boss man, I'm doing all this. But then he just keeps going. Yeah, I mean, let's be clear. A 1.5 out of 7 is like a failing grade. Yeah, it's it's not, yeah. Even if I doubled that score, it would still be a Mediocre, yeah. It would still be under 7s, but I mean, or half of 7. But what I'm saying is, like, the surprises kept it interesting and kept it engaging. I think the worst this show can be is utterly boring, like the last one we talked about. Yeah, and I think it was, like, it was solid but not boring, whereas before, a lot of the times, if it's ever been solid, it's also just been very mid. Whereas this was, like, solid, everything, like, kind of worked well, and then it just was was okay, but a good okay. But then all of a sudden there's the Briscoes, and then all of a sudden there's super yeah, crazy. Yeah, it is I'm crazy like, how much on, is going fucking, on. It was cool. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we'll we'll leave it there for now. Another week in the combat zone with these comics. Uh, if you want to follow me on Instagram at funny jordan d on Instagram. Uh, I'm at pink hoverboard on Instagram. And uh, thanks for listening. We'll be back with you next week.